welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast, another episode of the Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the Weekly Debrief, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Weiland. Andrew, how are you doing today? Good, and I hope everyone is enjoying their Memorial Day weekend, but also taking time to remember what it's really all about and taking time to recognize the those that made the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our nation and our freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States. Absolutely. Really easy to get caught up in it being the unofficial start of summer and grilling out and enjoying all of that, but uh, keep some perspective when you're doing that. Let's uh, let's dive right in with our Insider Story Spotlight. That is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. If you're not an insider, please do consider subscribing. The equivalent of $9 a month will get you access to all of the articles on our website, biztimes.com, along with discounted admission to some of our events and other insider benefits. So go, if you're not a subscriber, go to our website, click on the subscribe button at the top of the page and sign up. Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week? All right, we had a story about, Meredith Meyer wrote this, wondering what's going on at the Hampton Inn and Suites in downtown Milwaukee, which recently closed without really any announcement telling anyone that they were closing, the, the, quietly closed the doors, supposedly for renovations, although there's no sign that any renovations are actually taking place. And Meredith uh, dug into this story. We really kind of got interested in this. Channel 12, our media partner, the story about a couple that was planning to have a wedding at the hotel and their wedding plans were canceled. They had to find <laughs> another place because the hotel is closed. And we saw that and said, that was news to us that the hotel was closed. It was news to everybody that the hotel was closed because, like I said, they hadn't announced this. So we spent some time looking into it, and uh, it's still rather unclear. Nobody is talking about what's going on, although there are certainly signs that uh, and rumblings that the hotel has serious financial problems, perhaps not paying its mortgage, has some unpaid um, taxes uh, on, on its record. So what's really alarming about all this is that if you pay attention to the hotel industry in the Milwaukee area and know anything about living here, quite frankly, summer is when we thrive and winter is when we hibernate. So the hotels (laughs) in the Milwaukee area make hay in the summer during the festivals, during the brewer season, when people are having weddings and all that, this uh, hotels around here are busy, busy in the summer and the warm weather months. And then they struggle in the cold weather months. So to close, to completely close your hotel in a neighborhood of downtown Milwaukee that is increasingly thriving is really alarming. The timing of it does not feel good. They, They must be really in dire straits if they're closing their hotel right now. I mean, you got the RNC coming up next year. Um, just a lot of red flags about what's going on over at the Hampton Inn downtown. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, to have to go that route of, of outright closing, you know, you look 
just a little bit south of there, you know, the Iron Horse ended up in bankruptcy, but to my knowledge, still is able to, you know, continue operating, yeah. kind of is trying to sort things out. Right. But to close and, and be closed for quote renovations, um, got a feel for that family that's, uh, or the couple that's planning their wedding, uh, you know, to lose your venue. Um, yeah. And there were many others, many others. That was yeah. just one example. Just one example. So certainly, uh, something to keep track of. And, and Meredith did a great job digging into that. Uh, my insider story spotlight this week, uh, focuses in on American Transmission Company. Uh, it's a story I wrote that they, so American Transmission Company is, it's a utility, um, owned primarily by, um, WEC Energy Group, um, but kind of separate in a lot of ways. Um, but, but controls the transmission lines, uh, mostly in Wisconsin, but also a little bit in Michigan, Illinois, Minnesota. Um, they are seeking permission from the State Public Service Commission, which regulates utilities, to uh, purchase their headquarters and renovate it for a total of $91 million. Essentially, they've been uh, buying the property for $63 million and then investing $28 million um, in improving things. Uh, a good chunk of that goes just kind of office remodel, updating workstations, conference rooms, and kind of more collaborative space to, to match how people are working now post-pandemic, uh, but also money towards HVAC improvements and air distribution and uh, chiller plants um, and for the data center and some generator redundancies, different things. Uh, so an interesting kind of detail in terms of this utility looking to buy their headquarters for a substantial sum of money. Um, they say it's the the most cost-efficient approach versus building new or buying something else or continuing to lease and renovate. Um, it's the third time this property has been sold uh, since it was built. Uh, first time was for $65 million. Next time was for $81 million, And now looking to sell for like sixty-three. So an interesting dynamic of, of the pricing there as well uh, on this project. What was eye-popping to me, um, good story you did, is that the ATC consider other alternatives, uh, building a new facility or renovating another existing facility. And the dollar figures that they put out there that those options would have costed were massive and much higher than uh, the 91 million they're planning to invest in buying and renovating their existing facility. So, yeah, very interesting. And anything with the utilities involves big dollars. Big dollars, big dollars, and ultimately, uh, ratepayers end up, you know, bearing a portion of that, uh, typically. So, certainly, something of interest for, pretty much for anyone of our listeners or readers. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to our big story of the week, um, which certainly is not uh, great news coming out of the northwest side of Milwaukee, um, Master Lock, which is, um. Based in Oak Creek, but has long had a plant um, uh, in Milwaukee at 32nd and Center. Uh, news broke this week that they are planning to shut down that plant, move work to other facilities in North America and around the world or outsource to their vendors. That means the end of, of manufacturing at that plant. Uh, about 330 jobs um, represented by United Auto Workers there. Certainly a, a big hit to the northwest side of Milwaukee. 
which has seen a number of different manufacturing plants leave, even just in, in recent years, um, Leonardo DRS, Astronautics, which actually moved to Oak Creek um, as well. Uh, DRS moved to Menominee Falls, backing up a little bit further, Eaton, even further, A.O. Smith, Tower Automotive. Uh, there's, you know, a number, Glenn Reader. There's a long list of companies that have that, that had facilities in that area and no longer do. And it's another big hit for an area that the city of Milwaukee has put a lot of effort into trying to revive. Uh, the Century City Business Park is in that part of town. Um, which was the site of A.O. Smith and then Tower Automotive. S- the city sent, spent millions of dollars cleaning up and preparing that for some sort of manufacturing jobs. Um, there's a 50,000-square-foot building on the north end of that property that Good City Brewing has as its headquarters and warehouse. On the south end of that property, uh, Talgo, the Spanish train maker, has operations that I think have a decent number of jobs, maybe around 100 or so. Um, but, you know, certainly a long way from the heyday of manufacturing in Milwaukee, where there were thousands of jobs in that part of town. Yeah, this is really, uh, this is really distressing news. Um, this is absolutely the last thing that Milwaukee needs is, you know, the central city area, which continues to struggle with, you know, mass amounts of poverty and crime, and lack of investment um, to lose a long mainstay employer and hundreds of jobs. I mean, at one time, they had well over a 1,000 jobs there. So, I mean, the operation had already been scaled back significantly. But still, to have Masterlock there with, you know, 300-some jobs was was certainly something that, that the neighborhood needed and the city needs. And, you know, you referenced some of the others that some of the other companies that have left the central city of Milwaukee over the years or in fairly relatively recent years. And a lot of those are examples of companies moving to the suburbs. This is one where this is moving out. This is not moving to the suburbs. This is moving completely out of our area. So we are completely losing these jobs to other parts of the world. So it's it's very disappointing um, you've got a company that's headquarters is still in the, the metro area, but, you know, part of the issue, of course, is that they're owned by a company in Illinois. So there's just this feeling, you know, I think for a long time, you know, how there are a lot of companies around here that make it clear that they're invested in the community. They, they sponsor things. They, uh, they, donate to nonprofits, and then obviously they do business here. You know, Masterlock, for as long as it's been here, um, like I said, it's its presence in the central city as a manufacturer has shrunk significantly. And, you know, when do you hear anything of them involved in the community? Um, unless I'm missing something, uh, they don't seem very community engaged to me. So, And again, they're owned by an out-of-state company. So, you know, how how concerned are they about, you know, they're looking at the bottom line. Any business looks at the bottom line, of course, and if this is what they feel they need to do. They have to do it. But it's terrible news here for us to lose these jobs in the part of the city that needs it the most. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the reference to Illinois company, so they're part of a company called Fortune Brands Innovations, um, which was Fortune Brands and Home and Security uh, until December. Uh, most their their best known brand is is Moen, the um, faucet and uh, kind of water uh, product you know maker. Um, they do have products in outdoor, um, a lot of stuff around around the home. Um, and so Masterlock is part of the security business within that, which is kind of the smallest of Fortune Brands' uh, segments um, and the slowest growing of them. Actually looked up some of their um, investor presentations this week. And in December, they told investors, hey, we're going to improve the operating margins of our business by three to five percent over the next few years and they laid out you know how they were going to do that and about a you know a quarter ish of that comes from um footprint improvements is the uh, hmm. uh the corporate euphemism i guess uh yeah. for we're going to close plants the you know site consolidations integrating acquisitions um things like that and that's going to you know hopefully they say save them 50 to 75 million dollars um, or have an improvement in their operating uh, margin that way. So, you know, you, like you said, it's, it's the, the kind of the community investment. Um, and it's interesting. You, you know, we talk to a lot of businesses from kind of all different parts of the business world, right? And you talk to family owned and, and privately held companies in the region and kind of, okay, well, what's some of the benefits of, of that? approach and a lot of them will talk about like we don't have to manage for the next quarter we don't have to manage um yeah. for a stock price we can manage for the long term and you know do things that way versus having to always you know maintain a strong stock price mean return money to shareholders things like that um certainly there's an argument you made that you know maximizing shareholder returns turns into those shareholders going investing their money elsewhere and can do good in the world. But there's also going to be said for managing, you know, in a way that pays attention to all your stakeholders, whether that's the people who own the company, the people who do the work for the company, the people who supply the company, the people in the community, the company is operating in that's, you know, contributes to a, a business's bottom line, even if it doesn't show up on, you know, a profit and loss statement. Yeah. The community that, you know, you, you, this company was born and raised in or has long been established in and is still headquartered in the region. So, yeah, it's, it's, they talk about consolidating operations and it's, it's terribly unfortunate that the decision isn't made to consolidate the operations here and bring more, bring more employment here. Um, Ten years ago, they were doing some of that. They were they were doing some reshoring. The president of the United States actually came and toured that plant to celebrate the fact that they were bringing work from overseas back to the United States and bringing more work to Milwaukee. But you know, ten eleven years later, um, here we are, and you know, obviously it's a challenge to maintain employment. Um, you know, you know, high paying jobs in in areas that are struggling with poverty 
struggling with crime. And, you know, I mean, these are, you get the United Auto Workers represented these, these workers and, and they are raising a strong stink about this move by the company and calling it a greedy move. Um, I know the labor unions get a lot of criticism when these decisions get made and you get union critics will say, well, you know, they, the, the cost of union employees is higher. So guess what? Companies are going to move the jobs elsewhere. Well, you know, and at, at a time when unemployment is, is so low and it's hard to find workers, we've seen unions gaining strength, gaining some leverage and, and workers gain the opportunity to negotiate higher wages, at least in some industries, retail is one in particular we've seen that. But in manufacturing, when you have an opportunity perhaps to go elsewhere for cheaper labor and it makes more sense to your bottom line, I guess that's what we're still dealing with. And that puts, it makes, you know, addressing the problems of how do we attract more and retain high paying jobs in a central city area that needs it, needs it desperately, um, doesn't get any easier. No, I think you're going to need people like Dan Cott from um, Good City Brewing who chooses to say, I'm going to take my business and put my headquarters there. And, and, you know, you're not going to find companies with, you know, 300, 500 jobs that want to uh, plop down their new factory there. Um, but you know, someone like good city, there's a couple of, there's uh, at least one spinoff business from them. Um, you know, Talgo's done well on the South of that central city property. Um, you know, it's going to have to build up more organically over time and people, you know, who, who choose to make an investment and choose, um, to improve that part of the city and our make a commitment and, you know, see the benefit of doing that. That's the only way you're going to rebuild a, you know, an employment base in that part of town. I, every time there's been a big project that comes up um, back up a few years, Tim Sullivan, the former CEO of Bucyrus, um, when he was at the company Rev Group, uh, when they were bidding on the new postal delivery vehicles, mm-hmm. everyone, you know, he said he was going to, you know, build build them there. Well, they lost that contract. Um, Oshkosh Defense got ended up getting that contract, um, and you know, there was hope for half a minute. Maybe they'll build that there. Maybe Amazon will put a warehouse there. Maybe you know, every every time something comes up, we bring up that that yeah. site. The one the one big savior project just isn't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And then even, you know, okay, there was one thing where they they were going to attract a whole bunch of jobs. That was Strauss Brands, the meatpacking company. And there ended up being, you know, neighborhood resistance to that. And, you know, you can say, okay, was that short-sighted for neighbors to be opposed to the property, to that project? Um, You know, maybe maybe yes, maybe no. I would absolutely say yes. (laughs) Yeah, so Andrew and I have talked about this topic before. you know, I'm to you know, there's there's an argument that said that well, people in the neighborhood should should decide what you know have a voice in what's there. Um, of but you know, then it's on the city for not doing a good job of of communicating to the neighbors and and you know what what is this going to be? What is it not going to be? So it's just hard to see something landing there that that brings the volume of jobs. You're going to have to build it organically. 
Yeah. So a couple of points I want to respond to you made. The Strauss Brands one, and there's an example of a of a company in the Metro Milwaukee area that wanted to move its headquarters, wanted to move its operation into the central city. And unfortunately, you know, it became an issue of, you know, this concern of, well, a, a slaughterhouse, quote unquote, in a neighborhood, you know, there's a lot of residential um, neighborhoods around that site. But, you know, this these, this is a company that's operated in Franklin without any really problem um, that I'm aware of. Granted, it's in an industrial park, but it's, you know, just kind of done their thing without controversy for a long time. And just, I think the frustration people felt when that opportunity was, was passed on was the incredible difficulty that we're talking about of attracting and retaining jobs in the part of Milwaukee that needs it the most and a lack of investment and all this stuff. And now you finally get a company that's willing to come in and then, you know, it's, well, there's, there's objection and it's, 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 it's so hard to attract those opportunities. So it's frustrating to see them missed. Um, you know, your, your example of good city as one of the few businesses that has come into that area is a really good one. And Dan Cott, um, leading that business, you're right. That's a perfect example of a, of a local business that is invested in the community. It's really active and, and wants to, you know, grow the business, but also be involved in, making the community a better place to live um, as opposed to a detached company that's owned by, uh, you know, an, an out-of-state entity and has to appeal, worry about its its shareholders. Um, Good City is the type of business that Milwaukee needs to continually, again, 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 try to attract to the central city. But it's going to be, chal- it's going to be challenging until big issues it's chicken and egg challenge, of course, too. You know, you've got issues with poverty, issues with crime, which makes it very hard to attract businesses, extremely hard. But if you don't have job opportunities and investments, it's hard to address those issues. It's hard to address the poverty and crime if we don't bring in more investment and more job opportunities. So it's a huge chicken and egg challenge that the city just needs to continue and, and, and civic leaders and business community leaders need to continue to push on to address every which way possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even something like the Century City Project, which is 15 years of work now, close to at least that, uh, millions of dollars. I mean, what, would you rather that they did the opposite and do nothing and have, you know, decaying buildings with environmental issues and all kinds of stuff. No, I mean, it's a good investment on the part of the city. It just hasn't paid off in, you know, the next Menominee Valley. So uh, we will have to continue to watch this, keep an eye on it. Hopefully the folks, um, you said that they talked about manufacturing employment being uh, challenged right now um, in terms of finding people. Hopefully that means the folks that master lock are losing their jobs will, land on their feet quickly um, and find new opportunities. Uh, but until then, that'll do it for this week on the BizTimes MK podcast and the weekly debrief. Thanks for joining me as always, Andrew. Of course. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast 
For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.